Welcome to the world of Dracul. This is a story of a young woman who came into contact with a mysterious man named Dracul at a ball held in Romania. As her story begins with her first encounter with Dracul, his story unravels as their relationship grows. Previously on Dracul, Dracul had gone to check up on Catherine to see that Sartram had gifted her Zazu, the colored eye raven. It was only a short time until Sartram returned to Catherine's room, for he had forgotten to ask her something. This resulted in some bickering, causing Catherine to leave the room so the two could sort things out. After some more bickering, Dracul and Sartram decided it was in Catherine's best interest to know absolutely everything. Catherine and Dracul made their way back into the room. As they entered, Sartram had shifted his gaze over to Catherine. A worried expression sat on his face, which was almost foreign to Catherine. His eyes would fidget back and forth between her and Dracul, lingering a bit longer on her each time. Catherine had figured that his concern must be due to whatever he and Dracul had spoken of in the time of her absence. Dracul also just as quickly noted how fidgety and concerned Sartram became. He squinted his eyes, trying to read into Sartram, but was frustrated that Sartram did not peer into his eyes long enough for Dracul to configure his thoughts. Fun fact, the word configure was actually not used very often until the late 1960s, to which it then caught on around the late 1990s, spiking in the early 2000s. Pretty cool, right? <laughs> Why do I know that? Anywho, Dracul looked over to Catherine. Her face and thoughts were much easier to read. Please, don't misunderstand me, Dracul is in no way a mind reader. However, once you live as long as he has, there is no doubt you will become proficient in seeing right through expressions and nearly always correctly guessing someone's thoughts. Sartram, upon realizing how suddenly his throat had become very dry, cleared his throat and <coughs> took a rather large gulp. Gazing into Catherine's eyes, he took a careful step forward, reaching out to her with his left hand. Dracul instinctively, and possessively, went to Catherine's side, placing his hand on her waist, which caught Catherine by surprise. Before Sartram could speak, Dracul told her that it would be wise for her to sit down. Taking the words right out of Sartram's mouth, she nodded and walked over to her bed, where she then sat down on the edge. Sartram then grabbed a seat in her room, which was quite heavy, and picked it up over his head, setting it down right in front of Catherine. Of course, Catherine was caught off guard since they both hardly ever show their wickedly amazing sense of overpowering strength as supernatural creatures. Dracul rolled his eyes, knowing that this was one way Sartram would go about impressing a fine young lady, such as Catherine. Dracul grabbed the other seat in the room, equally as heavy, and picked it up with both arms, figuring that it was best not to play along in Sartram's games. 
placed it next to Sartram's chair, and sat down. Of course, with a bit of annoyance and as a form of rebuttal to Sartram's display, Dracul just slightly let his emotions get the better of him as he scooted over the seat Sartram was in with his index finger only. Catherine was basically like, what in Neptune? And she glanced over at Dracul, who was expressionless as always. Yet there was a glint of amusement in his eyes. There was a moment of silence which Sartram had decided to break. <clears throat> well, seeing that I haven't told you everything about me, lovely Catherine, I shall go first. Catherine blushed. Dracul did not. Instead, his eyes darted over to Sartram. Sensing this intense gaze, Sartram decided it would be best to keep his gentle focus on Catherine. A puff of green smoke began to emanate from his hands then forming a solid, green, smoky mass, causing Zazu to squawk in amusement. Fascinated, Catherine's jaw had dropped and her eyes grew wide. As Sartre began to speak, figures had started to form from the green smoke, making his story come to life. So, as you know, I am both human and vampire. What you don't know as I purposefully neglected to tell you, was that I am three creatures. The third being... Um, don't freak out. But the third is... Well... Goblin. And this is how I came to be. My mother was Celtic, and she practiced magic. For she came from a tribe of witches and witchers. She had striking red, curly hair. It was far more red than mine, as mine is somewhat orange. Her face was covered in freckles, and she had the most beautiful eyes any creator you believe in could bestow on her, whether it be God, Allah, whoever. They were a beautiful shade of amber, just a bit darker than the color of honey. She was a strong woman always considerate and cared more for the well-being of others than her own. If something was amiss with her, she would cast it aside and focus on what troubled her people. It was admirable, always my favorite trait of hers. But it also led her to a night of unspeakable torture. There was an attack late at night against her village as it was raided by goblins. Unlike some rumors, they do not have green skin, they just have sickly looking skin. However, their eyes... <sighs> they are as green as the forest, and their ears are far more elongated than that of any vampire. Whether it be their unnatural, natural state, or their unnatural state. Well, as I was saying, they raided her village, and she and her people fought them off as hard as they could with weapons and magic. However, seeing that goblins are naturally in tune with magic, and the majority of them possess such abilities, they had everyone in the village fighting with everything they could. So people were being slaughtered left and right, as they wouldn't give in to what they wanted. Seeing that her people were obviously on the losing end, 
My mother quickly convinced the village leader to stop the fight, which then stopped the bloodshed. Hesitantly, and after many hours of arguing, the goblins made a deal. They would take some supplies and resources, and a couple of women of their choosing, and leave them alone. My mother ended up being one of these women. They took these women back to their camp, and... Well, she was defiled. Those bastards. Actually, I suppose you could say that I'm a bastard. The following week, she conjured up a plan and helped the other women escape, as fatigued as she was. She used up all of the last bit of strength she had to conceal these women with magic. She was a saint, but it seemed that she was surrounded by bad luck, for as she passed out, she was picked up by another creature, a vampire who was traveling the world for potential candidates. He just so happened to deem her as one. She was held prisoner at his castle in Romania for the rest of her life, where she continued to be... <sighs> Damn it, well, there's no other way to say it. She was then raped by this devil creature too. This creature was Dracula. Yes, I know you've heard of him, for there was a book written about him, though the main rumor to help keep the people sane was that it was only a character inspired by Vlad. Dracula was very, very real and very evil. Little did he know, however, that my mother was already impregnated by the previous goblin who continuously defiled her in one of the most inhumane, torturous, perverted, invasive, and sinful ways imaginable, just as Dracula did. Nine months after the fact, I was born. Dracula was led to believe that I was his own child, and yet there was no love. He would threaten to torture me if my mother wouldn't comply with his actions, so she did. Again, thinking about someone she loved more than of herself. When Dracula would leave the room, my mother would use her magic to escape from her cell and comfort me, as I was kept in a cage across the room up until my teen years. I know, why didn't she use her magic to help both of us escape? Why hadn't I done anything to help my mother? The answer is quite simple, actually. He kept us both weak and starving. We were always near death, barely alive. She would always comfort me, tell me it was okay. She would tell me how much she loved me and how I shouldn't be afraid, because as long as she had me and I had her, there was hope. She taught me some defensive magic spells, and I've gotten very good for a child, well, seeing that I am part goblin, and, as I stated earlier, some are born with magical abilities. I just so happen to be one of them. Well, if you read the story of Dracula, then you know what happens and everyone is left wondering if he died at the end. He didn't. At least not by their hand. No one knew I was there though, because I would make myself invisible out of fear. Dracul came quickly to the castle when word got out and found out that the rumors spread by this book were true. The day he came was the day my mother took her final breath for she was fatigued, starved, 
beaten and tortured endlessly amongst the other women. Dracula never turned her, which is the only good he had done, and in a panic upon Dracul's unannounced arrival, he killed the other vampire woman, and he came across my mother's limp body. You know what he did? Nothing. There were no tears. He was going to leave when he remembered that I was there, and he practically tore me away from my cage. His eyes were fidgeting all around the room, trying to figure out what to do with me. That's when he stopped and smiled at me with red eyes. His teeth elongated as I struggled to get out of his reach. I was trying to run away from him when his teeth sank into my back of my shoulder blade. I felt his venom running through my veins. Out of nowhere, Dracul had appeared. His face was full of horror, which soon turned into anger as he... Um... Well, with pain and tears of blood in Dracul's eyes. Dracula was no more. The last thing I saw was Dracul approaching me when I passed out from the immense pain of the venom mixed with fear. Dracula couldn't finish me off to turn me into a complete vampire, so I'm not undead. I still am very much alive, just with some vampiric benefits. I never grew past 20 years old, and I'm going to live forever, pretty much, if something doesn't happen to me. You see, Dracul is immortal. However, just like you, Catherine, I am mortal. I can still walk out in the sun, breathe, feel things for humans, and eat human food. I'm the best of both unnatural and natural worlds, Caddy. Catherine had almost finished apologizing to Sarchem for all the pain he and his mother had endured when Sarchem cut her off with a wave of his hand, telling her that it was okay. He just wanted to remember how strong and good-natured his mother was, so he usually blocks out everything painful, though each time he remembers her, she appears more tired and skinny than the last. Looking over to Dracul, Catherine could see resentment in his eyes, while she sensed longing in Sartram's. So, Sartram continued, I became very bitter towards Dracul, and I decided to wreak havoc in his dead life, since Dracula was dead and he was the closest thing to him that I could get. I tried getting with Veronica, yes, but she wasn't interested in me, for some odd reason, since I am far more attractive and superior than Dracul. He snickered, and Catherine stifled a laugh. Dracul glowered. Tread lightly, Sartram. You know I'm joking, Dracul, Sartram winked at Catherine. However, because of my actions towards Dracul, it's no wonder he's very cautious when it comes to me being around you. I admit, though I know it's not Dracul's fault, I still hold a bit of bitterness towards him because of his son's actions. However, I must say, I am quite perplexed when it comes to the way Dracul is with you, Catherine, Sarchem stated with concern. At this, Dracul sat up even more erect in his seat than before as an electric tension filled the air. Catherine held a confused expression on her face, beckoning Sarchem to tell her why. 
However, as she did, Dracul spoke first, telling Sartram that that was enough. Sartram ignored Dracul and spoke anyway, for Catherine's sake. Catherine, Dracul cannot feel anything for anyone if they are not vampires. He cannot love you the way you love him, though he's very good at feigning it. I said, Dracul growled, that was enough, Sartram. Dracul stood up with lightning speed, grabbing Sartram by the collar of his shirt and held him up against the wall. His eyes turned as red as fire as his canine teeth elongated. Zazu began to fly around the room as she gave out a rather chilling alarm signal. She then swooped down towards Catherine, circling her in a protective fashion. Suddenly, Dracul appeared as though he grew an extra two feet, towering over both Sartram and Catherine, which frightened her, but angered Sartram, causing his eyes to turn an even brighter green, and his teeth to elongate as well. Sartram, who was full of emotion, began to question Dracul as his voice wavered. Why do you do it, Dracul? Why do you hurt her like this? You don't care for her and you can never care for her as I do. This isn't like that silly game I tried to play with Veronica. My feelings for Catherine are far more true than yours. Dracul continued to hold Sartram up against the wall with his left hand as his right hand let go, raising above his head. Catherine grabbed her sketchbook that was on the nightstand right next to her bed, picking up the pencil that was inside. Dracul's right arm was about to come down on Sartram when Catherine yelled for him to stop at the top of her lungs. Dracul's hand stopped in mid-air as he turned to see that Zazu was encircling Catherine, who was pointing her pencil directly at him as though she were ready to stab him if need be. Upon seeing this, it was almost as though Dracul shrank back to his original height, and though he did not loosen his grip around Sartram, his expression gradually relaxed. At this point, Catherine was breathing heavily. Let him go, Dracul. Dracul slid Sartram down the wall and hesitantly let him go. Is... Is this true? With a sigh, Dracul nodded. It is. Catherine's lips began to quiver as her body started to shake. So many thoughts flew through her head. Some ran around in circles as her heart felt as though it had been ripped from her chest. Her vision blurred as tears fell down her cheeks, the cold of them stinking her hot, flushed cheeks. Seeing how pained Catherine was made Sartram begin to quake in anger. Dracul, however, felt rather weak, which was strange to him. How could a human make him feel this way? Suddenly, Dracul felt as though somebody had flicked his cheek and only then realized Sartram had punched him, but was holding back at the same time. He looked over at Sartram in bewilderment more than anything and had figured it was a punch not to start a fight, but to express his anger. However, to Catherine, it appeared to be a rather hard punch that Sartram had given Dracul, though his face didn't even move. She hurried between them, her back turned to Sartram, the pencil no longer in her hands as Zazu perched on her shoulder. She stood up straight as though she was sizing up Dracul, glaring into his eyes with anger, confusion, and deep pain. Why? Catherine asked. Why would you do this to me? 
Was it all fake, Dracul? No, of course it wasn't, Dracul exclaimed. At least, well, it wasn't completely a lie. It is true that I cannot love you. He took a hold of Catherine's hand, but she snatched it away. Look, Catherine, please listen. I cannot love you because you are mortal, human, and I am dead, a, well, as you have come to know, a vampire. However, I feel something very strongly about you. I feel that I could love you if... Dracul stood there, stunned as he realized that Catherine had just slapped him across the face. He was in complete shock, of course. His face didn't move, but it was enough to wipe his thoughts clean. She stood there shaking, tears still falling down her face, even faster and more plentiful now. But she held her head up high, not lowering her gaze. She felt a soft hand gently grab her arm from behind. Come, Catherine. Let's leave him be. I know a place where you can stay. Upon hearing Sartram's soothing voice, she slowly turned towards him and nodded. Dracul turned away swiftly and fled the room, leaving a gust of wind that smelled of his cologne behind. Catherine grabbed her old vintage mirror and looked at her disheveled reflection as Sartram approached her from behind. When she looked at his reflection, she saw that he looked the same. Grabbing her small satchel, she packed the mirror, her sketchbook, and a few colored pencils. For a moment, she felt numb and her tears stopped. Sartram led Catherine to her window and lifted her on his back as she held on tight. He then lifted up and flew away from Dracul's residence while Zazu followed. Catherine took one last look back at her bedroom window, causing all the pain to come back. And so she sobbed into Sartram's shirt as he continued to fly towards their destination. Thank you for listening to episode 15 of Dracul. What was Dracul going to say before he was slapped by Catherine? Is her stay away from him and instead with Sartram temporary? Does Sartram speak the truth when it comes to his feelings for Catherine or is he still just trying to get on Dracul's bad side? Stay tuned for future episodes by subscribing to this podcast on the platform you're listening to it on. All narration, writing, and music composed by Priscilla Ibarra. Certain sound effects are from the website Zapsplat. A huge thank you and shout out to my friend and former colleague, Edwin DePaz, for performing my composition, Dark Romance, specifically for this podcast. Don't forget to treat yourself every now and then, my supernatural friends.